to have you on, man. We about to go right into it, man. First of all, how are you doing, brother? I'm actually good, man. Things are doing really well. First of all, thank you for having me. Thank you indeed for having me on your show. Um, no. uh, it's just a pleasure. Right now, I'm having, a, you know, my voice is being heard. There's a lot of people who are, who are, who are rolling with me. Some of them will ain't. Yeah. Some, some people are surprised. They only see me for the movies. Didn't realize, realize I'm opinionated. I got things in my mind. You know, uh, even the, the level of my thinking, you know, a lot of people right. surprised. I guess, you know, they see you in a movie, think you're just a comedian, an actor. Right. But uh, I'm enjoying it, man. The love is crazy right now. The love is crazy. No doubt. No doubt, man. So, look, a lot of people don't know your story, man. So, you know, we not go. We not go be here all night, man. But I want to oh, I want to no, go man. back. I want to I want to go back to the beginning. And I want to I, I don't want it to be as routine as a lot of other interviews that you have done before. You know what I'm saying? Me and you have talked numerous of times, man. But I feel like, you know, you being a hometown hero, man, you got a, a very uh, interesting and inspirational story, man. So let's let's start from the beginning, man. I know. Um, so so your mother is German. Your father's African-American. They were sta- uh, your father was stationed in the military. So start from there. You know, talk, talk a little bit about that. All right, I'll try to move it as fast as possible. I know, you know, we'll get to some juicier stuff. Um, my mother <laughs> yeah. was white, German, and my yeah. father was black. They met in Texas. Um, they had me two weeks later. My father went to Germany. We moved to Germany. I stayed in Germany until I was 11 years old. And gotcha. then from 11 years old, I moved to the inner city of D.C. And God damn, it was a culture shock. <laughs> Them niggas stole my bike. They stole my bike on day one. You dirty motherfucker. I just let them leave your bike out in front of the house. You know, I was in Germany, they throw the bike in front of the house and go in the house. Yeah. <laughs> I did an apartment. Huh? Not in DC, you couldn't Hell do it no, like that I, no I, more, I, huh? Into the apartment complex, into the elevator. All the way up to the fucking fresh shit. For a glass of water, ride my bike back down the elevator. Serious, <laughs> <laughs> like that in the hood. So I learned my lesson, but, you know, gave me, it gave me a perspective I didn't know about at the time. No doubt, no doubt. Now, now you know, a lot of people may not know this, man, because you can, you can, you can, you, you got the Vin Diesel thing going on, man. So you know what I'm saying? Mother Nature, nigga. Okay, Mother Nature. Man. Yeah, man. Mother Nature. I still have the motherfucker. Okay. And they like, so oh, I was a man. Like, don't, 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 huh? <laughs> I said, ain't nobody shaving all their hair off just for the hell of it, nigga. Okay. This, this <laughs> yeah, is yeah. Michael Jordan era, nigga. This happens with Mother Nature. Said, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be Spanish here. <laughs> all right, man. So, so being, being a, you know what I'm saying? Being, you know, a, a, a a, a mixed child, man, you know, living in a DC area, man. Like, tell me what was that like, man? Because you know, I been growing up here, man. I didn't, I didn't run across a lot of brothers that was mixed kids. Even though I look sure. at you as a brother, you know. So, it is it, during that time. Is that when you learned to sharpen up your sword as far as like you know that that that, that mouthpiece, man? Because you, sure. you, 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 sure. you sharp sure. with it and you quick with it. Right, right, right. Well, no, it, you know, we call it Jonah here. Some people call it capping, bagging, right. snapping, whatever, whatever yeah, part yeah. Of the country you're from. Uh-huh. Um, we call it Jonah. Um, you know, the crazy thing about, I really have to be thankful that I grew up in Germany for the first 10 years. I grew up around white people, black, blacks, Mexicans, went to my school, you know, mm. Asians and shit. So I grew up in them, in them years, them young years, yeah. from, you know, zero to 10. I grew right. around that. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the hood didn't grow up around that. They grew up around mostly black people in the black schools, only so had black feelings and stuff. So okay. they, it's, it's kind of new to them when they encounter a, a white kid or an Asian kid. You know, you know what I'm saying? They don't know how to really 
And I, I saw that from being, like I said, raising. So, so I understand that. Um, and I understand the pride black folks have too for being black and not necessarily want everybody to come and get some of their good, you know, inside gumbo. I call it gumbo and shit. No it doubt. From us without, you know, being representing, saying you took it from us. You know what I'm saying? So I no get doubt. that too. Um, so when I got to DC, you know, I had long flowing hair like Prince on his first album and shit. Nigga, that, that wasn't the look you wanted this shit, okay? It might look good to the girl. The girl said, oh, he's so cute, got that good hair. But niggas that look like you, nigga, just like it, nigga. And you niggas got on my ass about the shit. Oh, bitch ass, look at you, look like a girl and shit. You know what I mean? I wish my shit was nappy in the back like y'all. You know, my shit could just be nappy back here like y'all. Y'all might take me in better. You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn quick. But I think it was, it was a little hateration back then when I was young, sixth, yeah. seven, eighth grade. You know what I'm saying? When fellas like yourself look like yourself, saw the honeys like D hollering at the nigga with the nice head and <laughs> the barge looking shit. You know, y'all was like, "Hold on, nigga, I can't get no hot comb. That's my sister's head, nigga." <laughs> and I had to deal with it, but uh, it was what it was, you know. So I grew up. Yeah. I grew up quickly, man, in the hood. I grew up quickly learning. Um, you know the, the the things to do and not to not to do. Um, no doubt. I, I'll tell anybody, man. It's it, it's 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 a little bit rough, brother. You know, yeah. there's a lot yeah. of love in the hood. I will say that there's a lot okay. of love, but it comes from toughening you up first, mother. You mm. know, we, 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 unfortunately, it's like it's like now it's changed a little bit now, a little bit right. kind of. But when I grew up. It's first kick your ass and then we'll pick you up and dust you off, nigga, to let you know. You, you, you in the lion's den, nigga. You gotta learn to live in this lion's den. Opposed to outside when I was growing up, you know, eight years old, you know, you had all the amenities I needed. You know, right. I was sheltered from a lot of negativity and shit yeah, like that. Yeah. But, you know, kids six, seven years old in the hood, hear gunshots, fighting, right. drunk, you know, all kind of shit. I didn't grow up with that, you know what I'm saying? From the right. first to about 11 years old. So when I got to, like I said, in the DC area, and then I moved to Maryland, which is right on the outskirts. I moved right to like a place called C. Pleasant, the Capitol Heights, which ain't nothing but a small DC, nigga, okay? PG County. Huh? I'm from PG County. Okay, so you know what it is. So when your mother and father got a $1 raise, they moved their ass up. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. My parents, okay. my daddy moved from Northeast to Capitol Heights. Okay, that's all right. It was, it was really just Northeast Capitol Heights. That's all it was. It was yeah. Capitol Heights, Northeast. So, so yeah, if you had some money, you out, you out in Bowie and Mitchellville. That's a whole different story, you know. So that's what I happened next, like absolutely. So, so yeah, I grew up <laughs> like that, man. And, and, but it was a beautiful experience. It makes me tough, you know. Unfortunately, some people still think they see this and think, oh, nigga, you a Hollywood nigga, you soft, whatever. You yeah, got the yeah. wrong nigga fuck with me. You, you, oh, you, man. you, you seen it, you know. Of what I'm course, saying? of yeah, course. Yeah, it is what it is. So yeah, no doubt, no I doubt, can't. no doubt. So look, man. And, and I, I want to, you know, like I said, man, a lot of a lot of people get it get it twisted, man, thinking, okay, this red brother, you know, he he this he that, man. But uh, right. you know, a lot of people may not know, man, but you had a run in, man, with the legendary shower posse back in the day. Ooh, talk yeah. about that, man. Talk talk uh, about that experience. That one. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was, you know, like twenty years old, I was all part of the streets, well, not drug streets, but hanging out all the time. You know, I was in the black hole, the motherfucking panorama room, nigga. Nigga, you know, I'm talking about the hood spots and shit with go-go bands. Yes, sir. And shit. You know, I went to all that stuff. Um, I remember Gangster Chronicles, the A-Team, nigga. Come on, man. I remember all that being growing around that shit. The chap, the, uh, the chap, gate and shit. Chapter, chapter 13. Man, the chapter had to change the name every time a nigga got shot. Yeah, my bad. The chapter <laughs> one, the chapter two, two, and the chapter three. Right, right, right. Every, every murder out front of that motherfucker, they had to change the name. Like, no, nah, it ain't like the chapter two no more. It's the chapter three. It's safer now. Oh, nigga, ain't gonna change the sign. Like, right, it's right. The mirage now. Cool now. The mirage. Yeah, when, when I came around, when I came around was the mirage. The mirage. Okay, I yeah. remember the chapter day. When you left Haynes Point and you came to the chapter. Okay, that's yes, sir. 
Yeah. So I was riding three area street dudes and shit. And um, one night I was hanging out with my boys. And, uh, you know, we went to McDonald's. I was coming out of McDonald's, went past the little drive-through area where the cars come out, the cars hit us. And, you know, my feet with your boys, you're like, what's up, man? What the fuck's wrong with y'all? And there was some Jamaicans. And where I grew up at, in the, uh, that area, there wasn't no really Jamaicans back in the day. The only Jamaicans were around, uh, you know, Adams Morgan and shit. There wasn't no right. really Jamaicans weren't really busting up in the hood. This is, you know, mid-80s, late-80s and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, they were just creeping in because of the, you know, the, the drug trade. Right. And um, I found out that no two Jamaican gangs could be in the same city. So, you know, like Capitol Heights, if they both deal with drugs, they're going to kill one of them. Reading the Shower Posse book, it was saying, only one can be in that situation, that city. If not, you move your ass somewhere else, or we're going to kill you out. That's how the Jamaican mm. did. So, I'm, go- I'm going up around Forestville at the time, um, Capitol Heights, Forestville area. And one night, like I said, at night, we were walking out, the car came, almost hit us. So, we started saying, what's up? They pulled over, out the little drive drive through into the parking lot. It's on Central Avenue, for those who don't know where it's at, Central Avenue right there. Um, and another car behind him was with him too. They came out, so they was talking all kind of shit. Jamaicans, you know, one more cloud, what you want? And we like, fuck it. We threw our hands up. One thing we gonna, you know, square up. Cause one thing about DC niggas, we love to put them hands up. Okay, <laughs> before the guns, shit. Trust me, in the eighties and yeah. the seventies, eighties and nineties, early nineties, niggas was with the fists. You know, now, now, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you for a second. This is what, 86, 87, what? 80, 87, October 4th, 1987. Nigga, I remember that day now. Right? <laughs> okay, 8.30 p.m., 8.35 p.m. <laughs> okay. So, That's how I remember my baby's birthday. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you know, they didn't want to fight. And the two cars left, but three of them stayed by and acted like they wanted to fight. Kept putting their hands up like they wanted to fight. And you know, my boy's like, man, yeah. But they were backing up in the you know, parking lot, backing up. This brother was in a Fiero. Remember Fiero and shit? Of course. <laughs> a little red Fiero. He came out. Yeah. Come on, black man. No fight, man. Brothers, man. Come on, brothers. Let's do You know, he's about 36 years old. He's an old nigga. Old head. Yeah. Like, Get your old ass the fuck out of here, old man. Come on, <laughs> nigga, like, he gonna do the right thing or some shit. Come on, brother. Peace of mind, man. Fuck out of here, nigga. Get out. We about to squat with these niggas here. These Jamaicans and shit. <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden, I kept getting in the car. He kept... When I kept trying to open the door, I looked over my shoulder. I saw some guys come running over. Yeah. Coming across the street from Central Avenue. They were over on the other side by Hampton Mall and shit. They came running mm-hmm. over. And all of a sudden, um, we were in between cars. You know, we all had parked up parked. And a dude said, yo, man, burn him, man, burn him. I remember saying burn him. And mm-hmm. I'm not hip with the Jamaican shit at the time. And all of a sudden, I hear pop, pop. And it sounded like a starter pistol. Because, you know, the only guns I've heard at that point were guns in movies. You know, right. Yeah, pow, yeah. boom. But a real gun, pap, 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 you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I thought the nigga had a starter pistol. I wonder what the fuck he had a starter pistol out this bitch for. And all of a sudden, one of my boys got hit. He said, ah, oh, shit. We was in between two cars to be apart. He said, oh, shit. And nigga started running anyway. When that fear hit you, nigga, <laughs> all that friendship, all that Hey, hey P, hey, hey, P, it was like like roaches when, when the lights come on. Come on, man, come on. All that, that, all that stuff shit got out the window. All that, all that motherfucking shit from uh, Boys in the Hood, all that holding niggas down, my man, fuck that. When that gap come out, niggas start to scat, nigga, okay? That's how it is. We started pushing and running, and I'm running toward the nigga in the Fierro. The nigga in the Fierro had ducked down in his car. That nigga went from a regular Fierro to a low rider. <laughs> I could see it when I was running towards him. The nigga hit me in the leg. I did one of the movie roles. I jumped over his car, this little small car Fierro. I was over the hood and shit. <laughs> I got up, I started to limp, I'm running this shit, the nigga shot me in my hand, my hand popped up, I saw that meat shit, I was like, oh shit, because you can't believe what's happening to you. Right, right. I'm running around 
around the side of the McDonald's, and there was some woods right there, you know, kind of like some, some, back then. They said some woods right there on Bright Sea Road. Now hold on, is this is you know you remember that um it used to be on Central Avenue. You remember that outdoor movie theater? Was it, it used oh, to be an porn, outdoor? No, nah, nigga, wait, that's a porno spot, nigga. Come on, play. You know what exactly, talking. exactly. Oh, you saw the other nigga, way. I've been in those hills before. And them okay, I. Right. <laughs> She don't, she, they don't know about that. They used to have yeah, that, that's, a, that's way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I have no knowledge of that. And look, they had a hill right next to Central Avenue, which is a major thorough street. Right. They asked me about maybe 30 yards up, okay? Right. They had little bushes and shit. And across, if you sat there, you could look across to the movie theater, you know, right. a, a, a drive-through. There you, you go, the outside drive-through. Yep. Right. But yeah. everyone, they started with porno first. So yeah. if you driving down Central Avenue, you see remember niggas popping all up with bottles of beer and shit all up in there. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a Vietnam Army scene. Yeah. <laughs> and they got grass and shit all like that looking at shit. <laughs> and I walk, me and my niggas walk from my neighborhood all the way down, like a 30 minute walk, but it was worth it. <laughs> we wasn't but 13, 14, 15 years old summertime. It is what it is. But yeah, yeah. but not there. Down the street from there. More going to 495, the freeway. I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about when you said the old porno joint. I'm like, man, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, so I started running and shit, and my boy, he was hiding in the woods. He came and picked me up, my boy Daryl, he tried to walk me across Central Avenue. He's still in the middle of the medium and shit, cars going back and forth. And I remember um he brought me back back over. I guess the guys that ran and shit, shot and ran, you know. I, I don't know, but I ran and I didn't chance to get the fucking idea. You know, niggas be like, you know who shot you? No, uh, no, we didn't have a time for a conversation. Where you from? Where you live at? <laughs> we just start running and shit. And so I remember one thing was kind of crazy. I was starting to cry because I thought when you get shot, you die. I thought you automatically die and shit. You know, oh, when shit. I heard niggas got shot, they died. I know, I'm like, right. they got shot. Yeah. So I started crying and shit. I'm keeping 100. I was like, oh my God, shit. But I got shot three times now. My leg, my hand, my leg, my back and shit. And, um, I remember this young this young paramedic came pick me up. I was in the bed. I was in there, and I, I had some Nikes on. I had some. Not, I'm gonna tell you for a reason. I'm gonna say this. Uh, not Nikes. Uh, New Balance. You know we DC New Balance. Of course. It was hundred and five dollars. They were gray with burgundy. They were burgundy with gray gray tint. You know gray on them. It was hundred five dollars back in 1987. I, I got I got a pair of those. I got the 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 red, green, and yellow ones, and okay, I got the bur okay. and I got the burgundy and white ones. Okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah. I had the burgundy and gray ones. So the cop the cop comes against. I mean the cop the paramedic. I'm in there. I said, man, am I going to die? Am I going to die? He's like, nah, man, you're going to be all right. This is, this is another, he's probably about 26 years old. He wasn't all professional. He's like, nah, nigga, you're going to be all right. I'm like, God damn. I'm in a paramedic room like that. So we get to the hospital with Blase, Blase, the operation. I remember I got to the hospital. I was like, hey, because you know, they, they, they take your shit from you, jewelry, right. whatever you have and shit. Right. I said, man, you got to come up off that Nike. I mean, that, uh, that, that last New Balance, baby, you know. <laughs> I had to go find a new balance and shit, nigga. That was $55 the niggas had on me. I said, no, sir. I scrubbed the blood off the motherfucker. I supported them bitches the next one. So I could walk again. But I got that motherfucker. Them new balance back. Trust and believe that. Yes, yeah, sir. Like, you can leave it now. I can't leave without that damn new balance. Okay? I need that left foot, nigga. Okay? I need that left foot, homie. Hey, hold up, hold up, hold up, man. We got to let people know. Because Jim Jones, man. Jim Jones, man. He got on Twitter and talked about... New York dudes been wearing New Balances, man, since the 80s, man. And I got a brother right here who remember, you, like you said, man, 1987, you had a pair of 995s on, man. So for the record, right, right. 
We've been wearing New Balances before anybody, man. So that's what Jim well, Jones well, right there. Well, tell Jim, first of all, I, I'm gonna tell you, this. New Balance came from Boston, you know, Boston Marathon. That's where they came from, believe it or not. They came from Boston. But we started sporting them in a bigger way. Maybe they should go down to New York. A couple of niggas, a couple of white boys wore New Balance, but niggas was not rocking New Balance in New York on a on a major platform. That's now, all I'm talking. That's all I want here. To this day now, I can see a nigga 65 years old cutting grass with some New Balance, okay? Absolutely. Okay, New Bounce is what DC rocks, yeah. you know, official DC boot. You know, I'll give New York the Timberland boot. Okay, that's the, exactly. Timberland. I give them that. But we don't that New Bounce rock. That's, that's, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New, yeah. Uh, Timberland boots before. Now I had to set the record straight. I had to set the record straight. I had to set because I got on me, uh, me and a couple of brothers, man. We was going back and forth with Jim Jones, man. And he and he talked about. I don't care what y'all DC dudes uh, uh, think. Uh, we've been wearing, uh, you know, Nike ACG boots and uh, New Balances before DC. I said, man, stop it, man. Stop. Well, let me That's tell what you buy the babies for the baby shower here. What well, I'll say this with a pair of New Balance. What I will go. give, what I will give Jim Jones credit for, is wearing cornrows that look like they've been done two years, two, two months ago, <laughs> nigga. Look like he brushed the motherfuckers when he got them done. Like as soon as he got his cornrows done, he just took a. A, a motherfucking steel brush and brush them bitches. Okay? <laughs> now he get that. Now you can say you rock that motherfucker, uh, Jim Jones. The motherfucker, the, the nappy cornrows. I don't know where they came from. But you, yeah. You represent well. Nah, no doubt, no doubt, man. So look, man. This I tell you, this brother, this brother. I'm telling you, man, he consistent with it, man. He, he gonna he, he gonna he gonna keep it going all night, man. So look, I got I got I got to stop for a second, man, because we want to know, like, when did the comedy bug hit you, man? Because it seemed like. You know, just seeing you, man, it seemed like it comes so natural, man. But, you know, when did it actually hit you when you realized, like, man, you know what? This is something that I can do for a living. This is something that, you know, not only am I good at it, but I can I can make a career off this shit. When did that right, shit, right. Uh, you know, when did it hit you? I, well, I was always funny. I always put on little shows for my family. But to know that it can be taken to another level was me seeing Eddie Murphy. You know, when Eddie Murphy hit, hit the screen in the early 80s and stuff, I was like, damn, when I saw Delirious, and he had the red outfit on, I said, you know Ooh. what? I want to do that. I, I didn't have an act at the time. I was a good Joner. Like I said, I could Jone your ass out in school. I'm not gonna kill it with that. But Joning and stand-up comedy is two different things. Two know? different things. So I was yeah. never afraid of an audience because I Joned all the time. I, I used to be, we used to have a cypher in the morning time before you know class started and shit. And we used to have a hallway that came down and it broke off into a T. And I used to sit in the middle of that hallway, right on my tea, by the heater with some dudes, and I would eat niggas up all day long coming. And every time to a point when niggas would go outside the building, come around to their classes, they did not want to go down that tea. Because I had a class with a couple of niggas, like, I thought you wouldn't, you know, I didn't think they was coming to class. They're like, nigga, I ain't walking down there with y'all niggas talking about my shit. I was head to toe murder niggas and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was fucked up with me coming out my way. So, but I had shit they want to talk about too, so they snapped on me too. Yeah. But with Eddie Murphy, I said, okay, I want to do that. And I was in high school, and um, I think it was a 10th, 11th grade, 11th, 11th or 12th grade. I saw open mic, and I saw the weekend newspaper. I opened it up in the show. They had open mic night on Thursday. This was a Friday, unfortunately. It was on a Friday, unfortunately. And um, I said, let me go to the comedy club and see. It was on K Street called the Comedy Cafe. And I went down. I saw a comedian named Kevin Lee. He, 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 for y'all know him, Def Jam. He had yeah, nice I know, I know Kevin, and yeah. shit, flips all kind of shit on stage. He was a feature act. There's three. There's normally three people in a comedy club: opening, a feature, and then the headliner. He was okay. a feature act. I remember sitting down. I said, "Yo, man, and he, you know, between sets, and he's black. The other two were white, so I'm gonna go to gravitate toward him to talk to him about it." And he, I said, "Yo, how do how do I get into this? How do I do comedy?" And he said, um, 
What did that nigga say to me? He said, go home and write five minutes to come back on open mic night, which was a Thursday. And I remember leaving, driving, thinking, what's five minutes of comedy? I don't know. The fuck, you know five minutes of Joni, nigga? Like, again, I don't know how to do comedy. I just want to be funny. I just don't want to do it. And a guy named Rodney Dangerfield, comedian, and a guy named Stephen Wright had albums out at the time. Rodney and Dangerfield, the man. Yeah, and, and a guy named Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright, for some of y'all who may know Chappelle, in that movie, uh, what's the one, that smoking movie he had? Uh, uh, um, Half-Baked. Half-Baked. Half the guy that laid on the couch all the time. Oh, oh yeah. That's Stephen. He's a legendary comic and shit. He talked real deadpan. Well, I took it. I took. I, I listened to their albums, which I don't recur. Uh, which I don't. What do you call? What's what I'm looking? Recommend. For? I don't recommend for young comics to do. Still material. Don't do that. But again, I was young at the time and I didn't know. So I took their jokes and made them urbanized. I turned them. You know, I flipped them, made them urban. And I went back on that Thursday and had like eight, you know, six, eight jokes of theirs and shit. You know, mixed up and stuff. And went on stage and was t and told them in my my way. And when I got stayed, everybody was like, damn, you funny. You funny as fuck, man. You funny. I was like, well, you know, that's what I do, nigga. I was like, shit, this is what it is. Hey, man, they're your, hey, they're your jokes now, shit. Oh, well, exactly. Fuck it. You know, you, you got to have some nerve get on stage and do something. You know, I can't exactly. go on stage and start snapping on everybody. Right. You know, kicking out the club. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of weeks. And one day, what happens on, um, on the back in the days at six o'clock you have a sign up and you pull your name and see what what number you're going on for the nine o'clock open mic night show and then back mm -hmm. then it was heavy 30 comics would show up 35 comics would show up. we all got five minutes and then you run home or do what you got to do from six to nine i would run back home to Mer you know where i live in maryland it was, it was in dc run back to maryland change my clothes shower whatever i do and come back and do my spot whatever my spot was and i had an early spot this particular time i'm coming back and a cop pulled me over and um, I don't know if I got a ticket. I might have got a ticket or not. I think I got a ticket. And I remember when I was running in there, you know, it, it delayed me. I'm running late anyway. And um, I get there, and the person was like, MC's like, yo, you next, man. Come on, you next. Like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And he said, all right. And he went up on, and I said, like, oh, I get my, my little notes together. I'm thinking my head's all fucked, but you got a ticket. I'm pissed off. I get on stage, and I start talking about getting the ticket first. And people start laughing, you know. I was like, man, fuck that ticket, blah, blah, blah. And this bullshit. I'm like, hold on, they laughing at what just happened, you know, like, I can talk about that kind of stuff, you know? And that was the first time I realized I could be funny in my own, my own life, you know, instead of taking the, the other jokes. And I started taking the jokes out of theirs, the eight, got down to six, got down to five. We, you know, we added my three in, and then three, four, you know, before I knew it, within the next two months, I had a whole new, you know, my own act, my own material. material. Okay. Okay. Nah, that's dope. That mm -hmm. is dope. So what came after that? Like, how did you make it to the next level? Um, Martin, Martin and Tommy Davidson went to Hollywood, and um, I was like one of the young guns because Martin and Tommy were young. The rest of the people back in the days, you gotta realize there weren't that many young comedians. There were mostly grown men doing grown jokes about taxes and family. I'm still telling jokes about doo doo and farting and shit. You know, I'm, I'm a young <laughs> nigga, so what I know about taxes and kids and shit. And so Martin and Tommy went to Hollywood, you know, and I was like seeing their success. I said, shit, they can make it. Fuck that, you know. You know, I, I'm a young nigga too. I'm, you know, I'm on the young cast too, and. Um, I went to see them do, I, I flew out with some friends of mine who knew Tommy um, better than I did and uh, one summer, summer I think in 89, and Martin was working on class, no, he was working on House Party, and Tommy was doing um, In Living Color, the pilot, the pilot is the first episode, for those who don't know, right. the pilot is, he was right, shooting right. the first episode, he invited us to see it at the Fox <clears> Studio, <throat> and Martin was there in the background, you know, in this room, and Martin was like, yo, man, you gotta come out here, man, fuck living, you know, DC, you know, not fuck like that, but, you know, come on out here. 
I heard him and then like a year later, I got myself together and took out my VCR, my motherfucking microwave, my goddamn DVD player, shit, not DVD, was a VHS player. Yeah, I was about to my say. Niece, <laughs> my Nissan Pulsar nigga, packed it up with my tape and shit. And I was on my way for four days, nigga, on cross country, nigga. And all my niggas like, you'll be back, nigga, you'll be back. Like, nigga, I won't work for the government, no nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be in a cubicle, nigga. Fuck that bullshit. Now, now let, let's go back, let's go back. Let's, let's, let's really back, let's really back. Cause you know, again, like you just said, man, growing up here in the Washington DC area, the, the you know most most people they look at, at look at it as making it as working for the you know working for the, uh, the U.S. government, working for Metro, working for the police department. Like, what was your inspirations when we go back? Because you you know you went to you know you went across the high school. What was like your inspiration in high school? You know, for what inspirations for what? your inspiration yeah, as far like career inspirations. I, I apologize. Uh, no, it's all good. Um, my inspiration, I'm gonna keep it dead ass. First of all, it's not inside of me, okay? No, God bless those who can be in a cubicle. As I say, put me in a casket before you put me in a cubicle. <laughs> dead ass with that, okay? It just ain't my thing. Some I'll people need structure in their life, you know? They need yeah. that kind of structure and a paycheck every two weeks and all that. No doubt. And that nah, talk grinding. about it. So, God bless them for who can do that, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't that type of person. And I could see, to be honest with you, I could see the misery and the unhappiness and a lot of people. My mother was a paralegal. She was making $70,000 back in, you know, 86, 87, yeah, whatever. That's like the and equivalent she, of like 100. Okay. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, she came home at night and was damn near crying and drank, drank and shit because she hated it, man. Good money, but she hated that, you know, dude. You know, and, and here, what happens is so many people around us, it's different now. You know, remember, you got, you got to go back 30 years ago, okay? You know, to, you know in, in late 80s and stuff. Compared to now, people can see Instagram being famous. And everything. Right, Before right. That, you didn't see that. You saw. Oh, you, that's a good point. Job. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, your success is getting a government job. What? I'm a GS6. Oh shit. Mm -hmm. GS12. Oh yeah. shit. All that was making it at that time, having a regular job because we didn't see too many people from DC making it into Hollywood because this is a government town. You're you're made and bred to have a job. A government job was the you know the thing yeah. of all. I mean, you gotta look at it like my like my folks, they came from the South, the rural South up here, and all of them pretty much worked for the government. Like that was that was push to come, even sure. if you not even if you not from here, wherever you at, move to DC and right. work yeah. for the government or work for Metro or whatever you know the you know. So nah, you you you, no, you no, made I mean, a good point. Was, you know? And I don't think it's changed that much either. I still think that that's a. <laughs> a thing that this is the place where you come to work for the government and that is a big thing here what should, what clearance do you have you, you, like, you know and I, I don't know if this relates to any way any kind of way but what hurts me about dc dmv area what really hurts me is we have such great talent here trust me i've been all over the world i've, I've been in different cities and shit. we have such great talent but we will not support the talent here until it leaves and comes back if you stay here and you funny as hell on they like, oh, I know this nigga. He ain't nobody. You have to leave here and come back. Or they will or they will pay for money for another nigga who lives somewhere else to come here. That's a fact. That's a that's a thousand percent fact. So so that's the sad part about it. Niggas always want to, you know, we have that macho-ness or that whatever arrogance about nigga. You ain't nigga. I know you, nigga. Why you ain't you know? You know what I'm saying? And and believe it or not, some of these comics will go around the country and people go crazy for them. But soon they come back here, it's like, oh, nigga, it's just you and shit. Like, all right, right, right. When you leave, when you leave and don't come back here and support nothing back here, like, oh, that nigga, he got no love. Us. Don't yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. 
Nah, nah, nah. And that's why I said, man, it's an honor to have you here on the platform. Because I remember being a young kid, 12, 13 years old, seeing you on Def Comedy Jam. And I remember, you know, from 1992 on up, I remember following your your career. And I remember seeing the consistency. So it's a it's an honor to have brothers like you, man, you know, who have who have paved the way for other comedians, man. But again, man, so so you know, you doing you're doing comedy, you know, you 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 you're doing your thing, man. But I say 1992 was it was it was a big year for me for, for you. So talk about uh 1992. Are you saying the Def Jam situation? There we go. There we go. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um well, I was living in L.A. I was tearing shit up in L.A. Uh, far as comedy-wise, funny as fuck. And they had taped a couple of comedians already, like six shows. You know, what happens, is, for those who don't know, they tape some shows, fix them all up, and they start marketing them before it starts off. They don't just okay. tape the same night and they come out the same night. It don't work like that. So they taped like six shows, did really well. So they wanted a full season, which is about 13 episodes. So they needed six to seven more episodes. And so they sent a guy named Bob Sumner back out to look for the next brand of people they can, you know, fill the first season up. And a guy named Michael Williams, who owned the Comedy Act Theater, so where Robin Harris, you know, lived at MC in there, um, told him about me. So he came out to see three comics, me, um, I forgot the other two people, William Wilson and someone else that came out. And uh, I rocked it. He said, yo, you know, I got off stage. He said, you're going to do Def Jam. Remember, Def Jam wasn't out, so I wasn't excited. I was just like, all right, cool. I want to do the Apollo and shit. Because, you know, everybody was talking about the Apollo back in the days and shit. I was like, all right, fuck it. You know, I'm, I'm right. doing Def Jam and shit. And I went there and I remember going to New York. Um, you know, and New York is a rough, you know, was it got a reputation of being a rough city. It really ain't as rough as you think it is. DC niggas can be rougher than motherfucking I'll be New York people. Tell Trust people. me, man. You think New York is rough? DC niggas sit there like, oh, nigga, I can do this, you know. But um, you know, from <laughs> Apollo, it had got a reputation of being a rough place. And um, so I remember going there. I was excited. Me and DL Hughley, simply marvelous. Uh, Jamal, AJ Jamal. I was just excited, you know, to go there. And I get to New York. It was cold. We filmed in uh, right in Manhattan, on a little small theater called Academy Theater. And I remember uh, I was so excited once I got there, you know what I'm saying? Now, the, remember, they, they called me about a month earlier. So I got the, I started warming up to it, started hearing more about Def Jam. So by the time I got there, I got excited about it. And uh, I mean, it was, you know, you know the land, for those who don't, you know what a lanyard is? They get that little thing around the little, the little thing. Shit, yeah, I kept that from my pride. Like, I was walking around this bit like, hell, buddy, yeah. Like, shit, you know? And they gave me $150 per diem. I mean, it's, it's money for you to snack on and use. Right, right. Shit. Shit, nigga, I had bills, nigga. I think I, I think I, they gave me 150. I, I came back home with 152 dollars, nigga. I, was, I mean, <laughs> shit, I spent no money, nigga. This my, you know, you, you get money, like, yeah, nah, yeah. Yeah, this, shit, like, this my money. Even though they gave you no money for the show, you like, this is cash only, right here. I'm a nigga from DC. Give me this cash. I, like, I ain't spending this bitch. But the jet you supposed to be sending me. I got cash, so we go there, and I remember. Uh, it was cold as shit. Everybody had hoodies and bombers, you know, the, the people in line. Long line in front of it, all the way to the side, down the side of the theater. It was a small theater, maybe 200 people in line waiting to get into the show. And th this is pre-gentrified hollow. Oh, no, 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 this is, no, this is, um, this is what's the name? This is Manhattan. This is right down on 42nd Street. Like, okay, my bad. But, but, nigga, the line was hard, nigga, okay? So, yeah. <laughs> it was straight hard. It wasn't a white line. line. Trust me, nigga. All I saw was Timberland, <laughs> hoodies. Motherfucker, you know, you know, uh, a mask on, and then when the bitches, the girls in the motherfucker line, goddamn Jim with the boots on. Now, but he's a dude and shit for one second. You know what I'm saying? So um, we had a split. So I remember walking past them. I had my little jean outfit on and shit. My little, my little, I didn't even have the motherfucking uh, what do you call this? Uh, you, you carry them. What, what's the, 
you know, the suitcase, the, the thing for the suits and shit. Yeah. Oh, I had cleaners, nigga. Nigga saw what I was wearing, nigga. I had to clean them. Clear plastic. And they had to split them, nigga. It was, it was all me mugging everybody. Like, fucking everybody all hard and shit. Yeah. I was like, God damn, you niggas rough in the line and shit. <laughs> so I got in there and that was, um, and I did my Def Jam thing. A lot of people don't know. I think we take four or five comedians every show five comedians, whoever didn't do the best, they got rid of and shit, so it's pressure. And that's Oh, why so they so they never they never got the chance to come back on ever again? Well, I don't come back on again, but if you didn't do well, they wouldn't air your shit. That's what they told us, nigga, if you don't do well, you know what I'm saying? They might have I didn't know that. another show, but yeah, uh, if you catch an L. Good example, a guy named Butch Burns. He, from D.C., an old head. He was about 40 at the time. That's old for the Def Jam crowd, 42 years yeah. old. He bombed. And then Bernie had to come behind him. That's when Bernie said, I ain't afraid of you motherfuckers. It's because he bombed and he got booed. And so that was, you don't get to see him. They cut his ass off the show. And that's oh, that's Bernie how it worked. Okay. okay. He was just talking about that moment that had to happen just before Bernie got on stage. Poor, you know, my man, Bush Burns made his career, Bernie's career, because he didn't do well. And they booed Bush Burns from DC. But that's how the story goes. I goes. never knew that. Yeah. I, I thought that was part of his act, Bernie Mac, when, no, he, when he come in no, and say that. No, no. Nah, nah, he was talking about, nigga, I ain't afraid what you just did that other dude, you ain't about to do that to me. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, um, and who else? Oh, so that's why I did my act, and I did it kind of quickly. If everybody remembers, I was quick. Like, I talked fast anyway, but I was extra fast. I was like, nigga, you ain't gonna get a chance to fool me, nigga. I'm going to the next joke. Yeah, I was about to say, shit. your shit was consistent, though. Like, like, you, like, when you dropped your, your, your jokes, man, you went to the other one. Like, it, it seemed like... You didn't leave room for it. You didn't. You didn't uh, leave a lot of room for error. No, I, no, I, didn't, leave, I didn't leave no room for booing. You know? <laughs> right, right, okay, booing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what I did. If they didn't like me, so that's what right. happened. Okay, so so now you go on. Like I said, you go on Def Comedy Jam, and you you know what I'm saying you get this exposure. What was it like, man? Like you know, going back to it's LA and then coming and then and then coming back to the area. Did you ever come back when you came back to the area? What was the what was the love like? Because at that time, man, Def Comedy Jam wasn't what what it was, but it had Martin, and it was it was it was blowing oh, up no. really quickly. Oh no, it was bigger the first two years than ever before. You know, it kind of right. went a little bit down, but it was huge when it first started off. Trust me. Right. I remember nightclubs wouldn't because the show came on at eleven o'clock on Friday. It was off at eleven thirty. Right. Nightclubs didn't get packed well into after twelve, mother, for okay. two hours. Cause people stayed home because they didn't you couldn't watch it ain't like it now you had to watch right. it that week but you couldn't see it it wasn't until <laughs> next year that they would let you see it on that thursday right so the first year you saw it on, at 11 o'clock if you ain't see it too bad you'll hear what people said man you ain't heard so-and-so comedian so-and-so so people stayed home until 11 30 when it went off and then went to a club that's how popular okay. the show was but the love man it, it changed instantly man people recognized me i still had the job at the bank it's a bank teller at the time so I stayed at the bank teller for a while, but the kids would come in the line and tripped out that I was working at the bank, couldn't believe it, because they're like, nigga, what you doing here? Oh, nigga, the check wasn't but $800 after taxes. It was $642.38, nigga, I had to get back to work. Like, Y'all might be- Hold on, hold on, Russell Simmons was, man, Russell Simmons, he, he was he was going like that, man. Well, what you say, it, it's called scale, okay? It's, it's, it's like the lowest you can pay, that's what people, not low, but scale, $800. But think about how many comics he put on. You put on 60, 70 comics, you know, come on, you know, everybody, he ain't gonna give everybody two or three thousand dollars, you crazy shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. And you bombing too, and you bomb, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, you gotta start somewhere. Nah, nah, I get I, I, I get it, I get it. Now, at this time, you got a manager, right, at this time? No, I didn't get a manager until later on. Okay. Later. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's why I didn't go on the Def Jam tour automatically. I went on Def Jam tour in the year 2001. So I wasn't part of that clique. So, you know, everybody could get a manager. It was all right. You know, it was what it was. Okay. Okay. Um. So look, so look, man. I want to I wanna fast forward. We go fast forward. 1996, 97. That's when I realized, man, like the brother Pierre is taking off, man. He is, he, he he's making moves, man. So the first time I seen you uh, in a video was Dr. Dre's been there, done that. We got to talk. Every time I see an interview with you, no one ever talk about the been there, done that in a uh, video and the uh, it's all about you uh, video. Right. You know, I, everybody, right. always talk, everybody always talk about it's all about you. But I, a lot right. of people forget right. that you was in the, in the Dr. Dre joint. So talk to me about that. How did you get those two roles for those two videos? All right. Give y'all sales about 30 second talk. I use the bathroom. I got to pee real quick. Go ahead. And then I got 15 minutes with you because I got to do my, my thing at, uh, at 1030. All right. All right. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're done. All, All right. right. Damn. Oh, man. I wish you have told me the time, man. Hey, D. When I know what I'm gonna start doing, I'm gonna just start tap. I'm gonna give you like a signal because I want you to get these questions off. I'm gonna like, like scratch my face and do something like I'm gonna go. I'm trying to think. I'm gonna rub my chin. I'm gonna do like that. When I do that, get your get your questions in. Okay. When I start going like this, when I start going like that, be be ready for your next question. Okay. Man, so damn, I ain't realize he got a show. He said 10 15 or 10 30. He, he got 15 minutes because he got a beat on his show at 1030. <clears throat> My God, if I'd known, I would have did it at 8 o'clock because I got like a bunch, a lot more questions. So when he come back, um, you know, you can uh, you can start asking your question. I'm like, man, he can push that damn show back, man. We might have to do a part. We might have, we might have to do a part two, man. Cause this is, hey, hey, homie. I ain't know you yeah. was doing it. You did. I ain't know you was doing. If I known that, I would have did the show like at eight yeah, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, but you ain't saw it on time. Nigga. You ain't seen my shit. No, it's on you. I was here. I was ready. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I show. Hold on. I shared your show. I told people. Remember, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said, right. "Man, this is one of the dopest podcasts yeah, out I here." Am. I am, and you telling the truth? What you talking about? <laughs> Come on, man. I can't. I can't get. 30, right. I can't get thirty minutes. No, you ain't got the, come on, brother. I gotta do my show. I gotta make my money now. Come on. Oh, man. Come on, yeah, P. All right, all right. Well, look, I want uh, uh, D, let me, we go, this, oh, this is probably gonna be edited, but uh, I'm gonna let D go ahead and ask a question. Okay. So, back in Hollywood, you um, got into movies. You did one of my favorite movies, Baps. Baps. Uh-huh. Did you know that, like, doing Baps and How to Be a Player and some of those, did you know that those are gonna become the culture no. classics that they, no, that they not are? at all. In fact, I didn't see Baps. We shot it. I went to the, um, what do you call it, the premiere, and I, I was hanging out. I didn't really watch it as much. Um, you know, sit there and watch. I was doing other stuff, talking other situations. And um, years later, it kept going by. People kept saying, man, I love your bass, bass, bass. I was like, because it didn't do well at the box office, to be honest with you. It didn't do well at the box office. And I was thinking, it, took, it did well on video. Once it went to video and TV, it then went off the chain. But um, people would tell me how much they loved the movie, and my daughter loves it, my grandma loves it, my mother. I was like, really? Because like, I'm more of an edgy comic. You know, I like edginess. Like, I'm more of the Wayans brother kind of shit. You know, you push the envelope, hell no. And that was, you know, I just wasn't thinking like that. But after about maybe 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, I said, let me sit down and watch this damn, you know, let me watch it and shit. And I sat down and watched it, and then I got it. Then I understood from beginning to end why people liked it so much and shit. So it's, you know, it's a sweet movie. It's a cute movie, and I'm cool with it. And I was a little girl then, and I loved that movie. I love it. I'm glad you did. You were so cute. I was like, oh, you're so cute. Oh, my gosh. I was a little girl. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's one. It's it's it's, it's one of those uh, what you call like cult classics, man. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. You know uh-huh. Real I quick, call I... culture classics because I don't want to be part of the cult. But so I like to call them. Culture. Oh Lord, have mercy. She she, she part of the woke. She part of the woke crew and shit. Okay. A little bit. I'm gonna make okay. a right. culture cult. Okay. <laughs> you, I want you to answer. D, you can answer more questions without this nigga having to rub his chin and scratch his nose, all that bullshit. <laughs> just go ahead and do you, boo. Okay, just go and start talking. My house ain't that big, nigga, okay? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, no, we just wait. wait. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I told you I'm real with it, nigga. I'm real with it. <laughs> well, look, hey, so I want to I get into this, man. I want to talk. We want to talk about this, this this cancel culture thing, man. Me and you have been having numerous conversations about this whole cancel culture and and how it affect comedians, man. So what, what's your whole take on it? Um... I'm glad what Dave, what, what Dave is doing. I hate to say going through, but he's the person, the only one, the only people who could go through this and make right. it, uh, you know, make it what it is as far as because he don't have no brand and no sponsorship, and you can't really cancel him. And people are getting tired of it. You know, they're getting tired of whenever a comic says something, you got to jump on him and try to cancel him and shit. It's getting old. You know, you know, I'm not saying to disrespect people, but you can't every time your little situation, your little group is being talked about, you can't be crying and shit while everyone else is being talked about. You hee and ha-ha and it's all right with them and shit. You know what I'm saying? So either you're going to cancel all the motherfucking, the whole com- comedian from zip from beginning to end with your groups and shit, or let the motherfucker ride out. And I say ride out, you know, I'm part ride of that. Out. I can't take it so... That's why I think the shock was really pushed over with the Me Too movement, man. You know what I'm saying? It was, you know, he said something to me. He smiled at me too hard. I'm telling you, it's a backfire, ladies. It's going right. to be a backfire. It's going to be men run this country. I don't, I don't, I know it sounds terrible to say this, but you're gonna get your ass toe up in here if you do not, <laughs> you do not understand this. I'm just being real. I'm not saying men can be mean and do No, right, 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 right. Trust me. I know how this world works. Yeah, yeah. At least yeah. at my age, until yeah. I die. So I tell people, let's chill on all this, man. Let's, let's get back to just having fun. We're going to talk about something. If you don't like it, turn it off. Don't watch yeah, it. Yeah. God damn. You know what I'm saying? Everybody ain't going to have everything you like and shit. But to cancel it is too much, man. It's just too much. No doubt. No yeah, doubt. It seems like now you have to, or everybody has to have the same opinion. Mm-hmm. And if your opinion differs even a little bit, you know, somebody's going to come after you. And where, where does that leave us? Right now, me, you know, we, we him get into all the time about stuff. My question sometimes is, I just ask, what is your reasoning for thinking like that? And some people say, I just think like that. Oh, okay, nigga, that's 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 what it is. Sometimes I want to know, like, what makes you tick? What makes you think so I can understand? Right. You right. know what I'm saying? Even when I'm in a relationship with females, if they do some crazy shit. I'm like, why would you do? Why, why do you do that? It's not like saying, I, I, I hate you for doing it, but I need to understand. So now I know how your mind work around me. So right. I won't do that. I won't put you put myself in position again. But to say I didn't do it because I do it. Oh, right. Come on, man. No doubt. That. So I, sometimes I ask, and it's funny, you know, because we we have discussions. Yeah, sometimes we talk week, weekly, weekly, weekly conversation, right, right. It's man. Funny how sometimes <laughs> people will go for A, but won't go for B, yeah. and A and B are very similar, very no similar. There. You know, you know, like, 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 the, and I'm, I'm just going to go, go. I understand now more and more. I didn't understand. Russell Westbrook is a hated individual. A lot of niggas don't like him. So no matter what he does, they're going to go on his ass. Mm-hmm. I'm being real with you. Because if someone else pulls that same thing out, people might turn around and say, well, yeah, that's my, that's my nigga. So I don't really hate him. But if you don't like somebody, if someone's not liked, they ass is going to catch the L from other niggas. Just, it's not really about what they're doing. It's just, I don't like you as a person. Right. You know, I don't rock with you. So anything you do, I'm not gonna fuck with. Oh, you with a white woman? You a devil ass nigga, you bitch ass nigga. Now, if a nigga you like with a white woman, like, oh, I right, right. nigga. I see that, get your whole shit, my nigga. You know? <laughs> Most white women, no, it's different. She a white woman that's from like Italy. 
he was a white woman from Montana. The only <laughs> oh my God. Okay. You want to say that then? It's because you don't like the other nigga. That's all. Just say right. that. Now, nah, my, my, my take was, it, you know, with this whole cancel culture is, is you know, like I said, you know, is 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 opening Pandora's box. Like me and you, P, we have talked about this shit numerous times. I just feel like, you know, as far as if we, as long as we become if we continue to be this sensitive to to uh, different types of comedy, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're we're handicapping our legends such as yourself. And, and if we if we had this type of uh, outrage as far as comedy 20 30 years ago we don't get the eddie murphy's we don't get the richard Pryors, we don't bernie get the max. ronnie dangerfields mm-hmm. so bernie what, max yeah mm-hmm. what do you think about that no you're absolutely right i mean it's and it's saddening um if i i mean this, and i mean this honest well i believe i mean this honestly i really think it. if i can stay at this lesson this level right here which i you know have a home a nice car i travel i got good friends i'm still doing what i love to do without having to sell my soul for not doing something I don't want to do for more money, I would stay here. And I mean, I'm at the age I'm at. Say, say that again, because a lot of people think, you know, for you to join, you know, especially brothers, they think for, uh, once you become, you know, part of Hollywood, you got to sell your soul. So say that again, man. Let the people know you haven't sold your soul. No, no, not at all. And, and, and that's a quick, that's like that's like a low-hanging fruit. You know, you do something that they don't like and you in Hollywood. Oh, you a Hollywood nigga. First of all, I ain't been living in Hollywood. 13 years so cut the i'm the hollywood nigga i'm the one left hollywood motherfuckers you know what i'm saying i'm a i live in maryland right now motherfucking dc a black fucking city damn it you know you know what used to be a black city you get what i'm saying that's a low-hanging fruit as soon as someone's in hollywood you have to sell sell your soul no there's some real niggas in hollywood but there's a lot of fugaziness of it because people are trying so hard to make it there and it's pick me pick me pick me please and someone will do some shit you know you'll be surprised but back to what i'm saying is i'm cool the level i'm at right now to be who I am. I enjoy doing this. I can speak my mind. If I don't like right. somebody, I like somebody, I'm going to say it. How right. you going to cancel me? What you going to cancel? I ain't sponsored right. by nobody. Right. Shit, I'm scared to so it's a blessing because some comics, when they get bigger, like i.e. Kevin Hart, when something happens his ass, he go, he about to get his sponsor be pulled. That's why he apologizes and shit a lot of times. And I'm sorry, I don't want to do that. Nick Cannon, I'm sorry. I understand that. They're making millions and them, them strings are holding them niggas and shit. Hey, right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. They, they're not suckers and punks. It's a business. It's a business. They got people to feed. They get to a certain level. They got a hundred people to feed and shit. Okay. And we might sit home eating barbecue, working at motherfucking FedEx, loading box <laughs> Nigga, I would do that bullshit. Fuck them crackers. Okay, nigga. I hear you, nigga. Making thirteen dollars an hour, nigga. Barely making in this world and shit. You ain't supporting nobody. Even your baby, your, your baby mama waiting for her check and shit for your monkey ass. But Wait, that's nigga, you know what I'm saying? Wait, you that's 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 what a nigga, suck ass nigga. Cause you, I would do this. Nah, that's a fact. And, and this and this way, this is where a lot of when, when when we have these conversations, it'd be kind of hard for me to push too hard on what you're saying because a lot of people that have these conversations, they've never been in your situation or they haven't they can't even fathom the the you know the places that you have been as far as your career, the rooms that you have been in, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes I feel like we gotta be logical. We gotta, you know. We got to step back and put ourselves in these situations and stop, uh, you know, being so emotional, being emotionally attached to these situations and think about it, uh, you know, realistically. So I want I want to move on real quick before we get up out of here. You know, talk about, you know, uh, your new platform, man. You got the you got Pierre's Panic Room and you got the comp. You're part of the comedy hype, man. How did that whole thing come about? Um, well, comedy hype wanted to do an interview with me one time. So they called me up. Well, they did one years ago. Something called something else, but they came around. They wanted to do an interview with me, 
and they love the way I speak. Like I'm talking to you, you know, I, kept, I keep it 100. They're like, damn, you know, I a lot of interviews we've done that people don't come out like you do. You know, you're just being real with the shit. Right. And they said, uh, we have another show with these two two young ladies we have. Could you sit down with them and, you know, talk to them? And I went in there and twisted the whole situation around and shit. It was, you know, you know, it got to the comments were coming in like this, and they killed them girls, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, I'm not trying to be proud of that, but it was what it was, you know, right. I am. And um, they said, uh, you know, we have, a, about a couple of weeks later, a month later, they called me up, they said, hey, we have a show like ESPN First Take we want to do. And we want you to be the lead guy. We want you to be the Stephen A. Smith. We love how you talk. We want to build a show around you, get other people around, see how, you you know, any comics you want to work with or don't want to work with, blah, blah, blah. blah. I, they gave me a list of their comics. I gave them a list of my comics, and then we came together, and, you know, it came to that, and um, they saw me from then. I kept hearing people saying, hey, man, you need a podcast, you need a podcast. This is years ago, three or four right. years ago. You need a podcast, you need a podcast. I was like, oh, I hear you. Um, it's a lot of work, you know, I always try to do stuff A number one. You see my podcast, you should do it. Look and stuff, it's, I wanna make it shit A number one, you know. And it's, so, it's, it's, it's getting there, brother, yeah, I'm telling I you. It. It's I getting there, it. brother. I don't think, I don't realize what you, what you, I mean, the, 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 the standard man that you uh setting right now man you you kill it i appreciate that I, I try to do that and so they um i did my own part of the deal i had with them i said let me use one of your other rooms that they do podcasts in so for a year i put my whole show together myself and the owner of comedy hype you know he was there all the time he's like damn dude you know you do this all you're one man wrecking crew you know you got all this happening this shit camera crew and all lighting and music and djs and all that so, yeah he said man i want to get in the business with you man you know besides comedy hype news let's do this so we came and you know got the, the studio together we took him to a bigger room and stuff like that and um, you know they helped me kind of you know after i shoot it i produce it myself but uh after we shoot it you know editing it not editing but to put it out there you know you know and they gave me another little platform called put it in the comments so i have my own little section that i do and if you watch comedy hype news um outside of that with comedy comedy hype i have my own section it's called put it in the comments where i kind of talk about what's crazy like charlamagne the guy has the donkey today Right. I got my own where I riff on with something funny or whatever. So Comedy Hype likes to be in business with me as I like to be in business with them, man. They're young, they're hungry. Um, I listen to them, they listen to me. It's a great merger because I think, why not? I think it was, I legitimized their their company from having a vet talk about stuff opposed to young comics on the show talking about shit, you know, that they actually had a vet on there. Like, damn, we respect Pierre. He's been around, we've seen him. This right. show must be a little more legit. So, the, you yeah. know, and that's how they knew that name respect me. So. You know, I ain't going nowhere. So all them comments, y'all can keep on put them in the comments, motherfucker. Yeah, I love, I love the reinvention. I love the reinvention of, of Pierre, man. I know, I know you, you you probably thinking, man, I ain't been nowhere, but I am, and, you know, outside looking in, man, it just, you know, it seemed like you reinvented yourself, brother. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, I embrace social media. A lot, a lot of my niggas my age don't embrace social media. You know, they they get away from it and stuff. I've always been a creator. I did a, um for for those fans. If you go to YouTube now and put in dating pierre i have a seven episode dating pierre show people love it it's about you know my life dating different girls in atlanta and shit. it's not a reality show it's a scripted show it's kind of like kirby we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have you back i want to talk about that i, oh, I got that as one of my questions i wanted that we want to get oh, okay, into okay 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 yeah, yeah. we'll definitely talk about that but um so i got a couple things in the fire i got my book uh for those y'all yeah you wrote you wrote a book back in 2012. talk about yeah, that yeah. like what inspired you to write the the my yeah my 100 homies yeah. Well, actually, my, I had broke my leg playing football with the comedians, and I was playing there. You know, I was like, I got to do something, man. Shit. So I said, uh, 
a lot of people would always ask me, how was it working with Halle Berry? How was it working with so-and-so? I was Dr. Dre, Eminem, Tupac, and all that kind of stuff. And so like you're doing now, I said, you know what? Let me write down 50 of the people I know, and, you know, that I know maybe talk about. So I wrote 50 people. I said, man, let me get some more. I, more kept coming in my head, so it came up to 100. I said, well, let me just write, you know, one or two, three pages per person, the story of how I met that person and put it in a book. And I, I had pictures, about, you know, from in the encounters and stuff. And so if I know it, boom, my 100 homie phones came out. The beautiful yeah. book. Background, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I always hey, do shit. Yeah, man, everything you do. Nice. You, hey, I got to give it to you, man. Whatever you whatever you do, man, it's five star, man. Yeah, I got I got to give it to you, brother. Now, I, I appreciate it. It's on Amazon, too, for those who want to get on Amazon. But yeah, man, so that's it, you know, so... I, I I do that. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. You got anything you want to ask D? Um, no, you gotta do this first, man. Come on, give me this. Give me this. Give me this. <laughs> no, I think, I think we covered covered it all. Um, I think we covered it all. Well, I just want I just want to I just want to say one thing before we get up out of here, brother. Just you know, give me what's one of your most memorable moments, man, of your career. You know, when you think back the 30 plus years that you've been in the game, give me, you know, maybe two, one or two, you know, most memorable moments. Um, I know it's hard to just narrow it down to just one. Yeah, well, shit, shit, yeah, it's a lot. Um, you know, filming, filming Bass with Halle Berry, being on the set with her, you know, she was a star, you know, a big yeah. star. I'd never been around somebody that big in an intimate, you know, in a movie situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot you of know, people don't know you play her her boyfriend. Boyfriend, oh yeah, yeah. In, in, in that movie, yeah. yeah. And Robert Townsend, you know, put me, in, you know, gave me the role. But meeting her was like, man, she was flawless, beautiful, no bumps, nothing, nigga. I'm telling you, flawless, like plastic. You know? Yeah, damn, shit, you know. And a lot of people don't know this, but that kiss and Halle Berry with that movie was a was a we're supposed to like the scene was kind of supposed to be like we we see each other, the, the old man's in the, in the hospital, and then we dancing, and then go back to the old man in the hospital and go back. Yeah. Hug, kissing, and then we go back to the hospital, come back, whatever. Well, we were running out of time, so Robert was like, yo, man, forget the kissing part. Just dance with her and shit like that. And nigga, fuck you, nigga. You got to you know, Robert got the game fucked up, nigga, okay? So that's why when I kissed her, if you see it, I grabbed the back of her head because I didn't know she was going to pull back. Like, hold up, nigga. And he said no kissing. But Hallie was into it, and she gave me that kiss. Was- and it was the only kiss we did in that whole movie. Supposed to, you know, some movies you take do uh, takes and takes and takes. Yeah. One kiss, and that was authentic and boom. So that moment there was uh, was was great. Yeah. And, um Probably, honestly, I know this is gonna sound weird. I did a movie called For the Love of Money. I That's wrote a classic. It. Yeah, I yeah, had that on DVD. It. That's a classic. Come on, man. All right. Well, when I did the last shot of it, because I used my own money, put together, it was my first time ever doing that myself. And I remember when I finished shooting it, the last take, got all the shots and everything. I walked away. I was in the neighborhood. I was walking down the street, and my assistants came running after me. Thought I was, you know, mad or something like that. They said, Are you okay? Are you okay? And it was like, I did it, man. I did it. I made a movie, man. In 14 days, I made a fucking movie, man. Yeah, a legitimate yeah. movie. That's very hard to do, y'all. You know, I don't know if y'all know. There's producers and big movies. Right, and right. Arguing and leaving and shit. Insurance and cancellation, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Location. To do a full fish a movie you can sit down for an hour and a half and watch it. Bam, man. When I walked away from that, that was probably my biggest accomplishment. I was so proud of myself. Now, I've no done doubt. stuff since then. More movies and of other course, stuff. Of course. That was my first one. So that was no it. doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Well, P, man, it's been an honor having you on here, brother, Appreciate man. Appreciate it. I would love to have a part two, you know, sometime in the near future. Maybe the top of 2022. Okay. Uh, you know, but I'm, I'm uh let you go ahead. I know you got a show to, to, to go ahead and knock out, man. But yeah, hey, man, it's been an honor and it's a pleasure. And this interview has been everything that I thought it was going to be and more, brother. I got to oh, say that. 
All I right. Well, that. I appreciate it. Let everybody know they can hit me up my IG or whatever. Yeah, let them know. No, no, you let them. Yeah. You let the people know. Plug. Let them no. know where they can find you at on YouTube well, and social like media. Yeah. Well, now when is this going out? When is this going out? I'm about to drop this in, uh next week. Oh, next week. Okay. I don't know. I'll be the week after. Uh, Oh, P, your, your audio went out. Pierre, I know it's your audience, so it's I got to spell it. You niggas are C O M I C. No, no, P, your audio, your audio went out. Can you can you go back like twenty seconds? Your audio went out. Okay, someone was calling me. Yeah, so um, check me out on all my social medias. It's at Comic Pierre. Since it's your audience, let me spell it, nigga, because you know you niggas don't know how to spell it. C O M I C. P-I-E-R-R-E. Damn, I don't give a damn what y'all want to say in the comments, nigga, okay? <laughs> My name is spelled Perrie, Perrier, Pirate, yeah. nigga. Three R's and shit. So Comic Pierre on all social media. Hey, man, I love it. D, it's my first time meeting you. It's a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you, brother, man. I'm going to let you uh, uh, knock out yeah. this show. And I'm about to tune in. I'm about to check it out my damn self. All right, there it is, man. Thanks a lot, All right, y'all. man. Take care, brother. All right.